Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio What's going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back. Episode 137 of the Dark Windows podcast. And yes, we are aware that it's actually a week late. We, yes, but, we know that. But hopefully, Big knock butts. on knock on wood, uh-huh. we've cleared up all of our technical issues. Hopefully. Oh, hopefully. Um, but you're also going to get this episode on Wednesday, and you're going to get the second episode this week. On Friday. So fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. That's what you get. Oh, we had to wait. Guess what? Now you get two episodes. How do you like us now? Yeah. Huh? Huh? I'm probably going to get responses. We don't like you anyway. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> likes Kevin. I, I don't know. even like Kevin. I tolerate him just uh, for the show. I know. You guys have no idea. I know. Uh, um, I know. I'll get some response about something and fucking have to do a Peppy the Pew or something like that. It, cartoon rapist. We can't talk about him anymore. He's been canceled. <laughs> He is not a rapist. He is a lover. Cartoon sex offender. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> no. No. First off, A, she rebuked every single advance. But it, it's not. that's not the point. The point is he tried way too hard, and that makes people uncomfortable now because we're a bunch of soft fucking pussies. Who cares? He tried, he tried too hard. That's okay. his problem. Hold on. Hold on. Hear me out. It's an animated skunk. From the fifties, and you're just just offended by it now. Well, because some of these assholes weren't around in the fifties. I wasn't around in the fifties, and I watched the show, and I went, "Hey, he's not a, he's not a good guy." Yes, he was. He's kind of a piece of shit. No, he was fine. He's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> no, he was he was a um, he was a lover. It's like he was a piece of shit. He's he's typical French. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, so, yeah. So, this week... I'm full of carbs. You are a carver. Anyway. So, So this this week, we're going to start kind of a two-parter that we're actually technically going to end this week also. Um, Well, we're we're actually restarting it. Right, because we recorded this episode once already, Uh and our equipment decided to shit its pants. So... Decided to be a dickhead. Here's hoping that it doesn't happen again. No dickheadery. No. Dickheadisms. Yes, no dickheads. Anyway. So, so. this week we are gonna start we're gonna talk about um a CIA operation that was okayed and cleared by two presidents to operation try midnight climax. To try to pull us into 
pull us out of the Cold War with the Soviet Union and potentially into an actual open hot war with Cuba. But before we get into that, we kind of have to step back in time a little bit. Um, so the two main events that we're going to discuss take place in 1961 and 1962. And they kind of, there's precedent where you can draw a line between the Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba, which is what we're talking about today. Uh-huh. You can draw a line from there directly to us being involved in the Vietnam War. Between there, the assassination of JFK, and then further out from there, September 11th, 2001. There is a a precedent there for it. If it's actually true, you have to be the judge of that. I'm not going to say one way or the other. But I I, I think it's a stretch. (sighs) Wait until we get into the next episode and you'll think maybe less of a stretch because it's there's a lot of very common things that happen between what we're going to talk about next time and September 11th. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but like I said, the, I don't know. I mean, everything that, so like this Bay of Pigs and then on to Vietnam and then assassination of Kennedy, the common denominator is Kennedy into it. Well, He's a part of the common denominator. The common denominator between JFK's assassination allegedly and Vietnam was the vice president. Well, Lyndon B. Johnson? Yeah. Lyndon Baines? Yeah. yeah. Well, Lyndon... B, for piece of shit. B, oh, well... Lyndon Butthole Johnson. Did he... I don't, I don't remember what he was like before because he was because he vice president. I think he was a senator or something. May have been. Well, I mean, so was JFK. No, actually, he was not. JFK was the last person to be to be a congressman and oh, then be elected president. We have not had a single congressperson go directly from Congress to the presidency since then. Uh-huh. We've had senators because senators are kind of bigger pieces of shit than the Congress. I mean, they're all trash, but. The senators are just like bigger trash. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just because they they try to tout themselves as a little more high profile, which they really aren't any more high pro- profile than Congress people. No. So, but anyway, let's let's get into this. So we're gonna jump back to nineteen fifty nine in Cuba. Cuba. The Cuban rev. Uh, hmm. The Cuban Revolution was being fought between the Cuban government, um, who were a dictatorship yeah. for, the, for the most part, um, and a Marxist communist group led by Fidel Castro and notorious piece of shit Che Guevara. I know a lot of people give me shit for that because, you know, they bought a fucking Che Guevara t-shirt when they were in high school at Hot Topic or whatever. Um I have I have proof to back up my my theory that he's a piece of shit. Um, it's not a theory. It's not a piece. Of, it's not a theory. He was a known racist. He helped build forced labor camps for gays, and when he got bored, he would hunt blacks and homosexuals for sport, and just shoot them. Yeah. Super nice guy, but fuck capitalism. Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. After years of fighting, the it's hard to say the 
good guys won because neither one of them are good guys, so we're just going to say the bad guys won either way. Yes, because it went from com, uh, went from uh, a demo, not a democracy, but <laughs> a benevolent dicta- dictatorship. No, not even benevolent. No, don't even go there. Comparatively, uh, comparatively to what's about to happen, it wasn't that bad. Okay. But dict- one dictator to another. It was it was like the German transition where we go from you know, you know, uh, Wilhelm the second or third. I'm sorry, Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah. So we go from him, who yeah, he was kind of a, kind of a scumbag, not necessarily yeah. a great guy, to fucking Hitler, who I'm pretty sure anybody making a list, he's like top ten, like worst people that's ever existed. I mean, Wilhelm wasn't bad. No, he was just he was a misguided moron. Who, let's face it, was only in a position of power because he came out from between the right set of legs. Well, that's how it happens. Right. I mean, but still. It's not how it should happen, but it's how it happens. Well, but, you know, that's just how it happened. And, you know, the shit he, you know, kind Also, of... a cousin of the Queen of England and yes. Tsar Nicholas III. So, there's your connection. Well, yeah, most of the. They're all fucking lizards. <laughs> They can go visit each other through their tunnels. Yeah. Take their skins off and shit and just roll around in a pile. <laughs> the... Inevitably, what bad guys would have won either way because you have dictator, communist-backed, soon-to-be dictator. Uh, was he... Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Well, I don't know if he, he was he so much... I don't think he was so much communist-backed. There, there was a lot of Marxist backing there. Yeah. But it, it, wasn't nece- it wasn't necessarily with... Training and support, it was more with money. Weren't we backing him, though? No. We were backing the other guy that we put there in the first place. Um, that other guy was uh, General Fluencio Batista, who was initially, because he, he was served as president, well, president quote-unquote, mm-hmm. of Cuba twice. The first time, he was legitimately elected by the people of Cuba. Yep. He lost to somebody that we didn't like. Uh-huh. That when I say we, I mean the United States government did not like. Yes. So we decided to fund this guy to pull a coup and take back over, thinking, okay, cool, we got him back in. He's ours again. And then he's like, but no, because being a dictator sounds like super fucking fun. <laughs> but again, ironically, it wouldn't be much better because Castro would become a brutal, brutal dictator himself after getting rid of you know somebody that they thought was a brutal dictator. So on January 7th of 1959, Secretary of State John Dulles sent a letter to Vice President Nixon saying, quote, the provisional government appears free from communist taint and there are indications that it intends to pursue friendly relations with the United States. A few days later, on January 19th, uh, Fidel Castro makes his first trip to Washington, D.C., as the you know El Presidente of Cuba has a little sit down meeting for about three and a half four hours with Richard Nixon. Imagine me to fly on the wall in that fucking room with these two clowns. Oh, tricky dick! It's all just racial slurs and cigar smoke. <laughs> uh, I guess. I, don't... I mean, the right racial slurs from Nixon. I don't know. I don't know enough about. Oh, he definitely did not like gays. Okay, like but, at all. But that's not a racial slur. No, he also didn't like the blacks too much either. Um, 
a lot of a lot of bad shit happened to people in the United States under Nixon, but it was mostly you know CIA backing shit. But that's okay. Um, so during their meeting, Nixon had this to say: "I spent as much time as I could trying to emphasize that he had the great gift of leadership, but that it it was the responsibility of a leader." Not to always follow public opinion, but to help direct it in proper channels. Not to give people what they think they want at the time of at a time of emotional stress, but to make them want what they ought to deserve. Hmm. Yeah, this guy's going to be president someday. Saying shit like that. Yeah. Don't back up the people that put you in office. Make them want what you want them to want. Yeah, misdirection. Yeah. A lot of lot of double speak there. Uh-huh. The vice president reports in a four-page uh, secret memo to uh, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, Secretary of State Christian Herter and Alan Dulles. Uh, he said in that it was apparent that while he paid lip service to such institutions as freedom of sp- uh, freedom of speech, press and religion, that his primary concern was developing programs for economic progress. Nixon concluded that Castro is either, quote, incredibly naive about communism or is under communist discipline. So that one kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You're saying that he's either completely uneducated in the ways of communism or he is like super Soviet. (laughs) You know, it's like there's 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 no I don't know if there's any middle ground. It's like you either don't know anything about it. Or you're so far into it that that's the only way, only direction you can see. And for Castro, that's the way it was. Was yeah. like, uh, he was a communist fucking through and through. Card-carrying member. Uh-huh. He also expressed in his own, quote, appraisal of Castro as a man. One fact we can be sure of is that he has those indefinable qualities which make him a leader of men. Whatever we may think of him, he's going to be a great factor in the development of Cuba and very possibly in the development of Latin American affairs generally. Again, he had no idea how right he was. This meeting stemmed from a plan that had been learned about where Castro was planning to nationalize a bunch of industries and redistribute the land of Cuba back to the people, quote unquote. Where this became a problem for the u.s is because a bunch of the industries that he wanted to like wipe out and give the land back to the people were owned by u.s companies so you can't do that that's our land technically yes (laughs) they technically own it so you really aren't supposed to be doing that shit yeah Um, after a series of other meetings between the two governments things start to kind of deteriorate um And in late October, President Eisenhower authorized a plan with the CIA to overthrow the Castro regime. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that throughout this episode. If I remember correctly, it was a whole bunch of times from the last time we recorded this. Because we were like, hey, we're going to overthrow this guy. No, we fucked that up. We're going to overthrow him. We fucked that up, too. Um, We'll get into the fuck-ups in a minute. Because honestly, this wasn't the first time we tried to overthrow a government. This wasn't even the first time the U S had tried to overthrow the government of Cuba. We'd done that before a couple of times. Yeah. Once after a ship by the name of the USS Maine got blown up off the coast, which again, 
hard saying whether that was the Cubans or if that was us to make the Cubans look bad. Who knows? At, at this point in time, we, we haven't quite hit our stride of arming belligerent groups and paying them to get rid of a dictator or government. Um, but, I mean, anything worth doing is worth doing a couple of times after you screw it up, right? Well, I mean, you know, perfection. Yeah. Come on now. You know, you, you got to perfect it. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, well, your, uh, your, your pet project becomes uh, unruly and, well, you uh, – get attacked by him <laughs> i think i know who you're talking about tall skinny guy beard dead now sandals beard possibly dead <laughs> most likely dead hard telling not knowing dead <laughs> i mean there's been like 19 navy seals that wrote a book about how they they're the ones that shot him so i i, I mean i think there's they, a very good chance he's dead i think they shot a stunt double wouldn't be the first time uh, okay so the the plan was to back and arm a group of anti-Castro Cuban exiles to perform these kind of little raids into, you know, from the U S or Guatemala, um, Nicaragua, like close places like that into Cuba, hoping that we can maybe overthrow Castro, get rid of him, or even better, just flat out kill him. So believe it or not, most of the people that make up this group that they're trying to arm and train, are college kids and college professors. Yeah, because those are the ones you you, you arm. That's what they do now. <laughs> you you use an ideology against young people and you fuck with their brains until they think that this is the best way to do it. It works both ways. Uh-huh. It does. Does it not? It worked in Vietnam. Yeah. It works now. Yeah. You know? So in early to mid-November, a man by the name of Manuel Aratime takes place in a two-day meeting, it's completely secret, of the National Institute of Agrarian Reform. Uh, this meeting took place in Havana, which is the capital of Cuba, if you didn't mm-hmm. know. Uh, he's kind of standing in the corner. He's got his notebook in his hand, and he's taking, uh, making notes of the people that he knows that are in the meeting. Okay. And, uh, are you in the meeting? Yeah. <laughs> So he's sitting there taking notes, and all of a sudden the room fucking explodes with just applause and cheers. And he looks up, and Fidel Castro, Raul Castro, and Che Guevara walk through the door. So he he's he's in there with the fucking the big wigs. This is where, like, we should have Operation Valkyrie the whole thing and just blown the whole fucking building up. <laughs> But look how that went. Well, that's because they fu- they fucked that up. It didn't work. It didn't work. You could have made it work this time. You Probably know not, though, because you know the CIA is involved. You know why it didn't work? Because they had Tom Cruise involved. That's true. <laughs> that short fuck. <laughs> um, so he, he's just taking all these notes and just, you know, especially when they start focusing on something they're referring to as the true goals of the revolution. Every time quoted Castro in his notes saying this, this, a meeting of a group of men who know the road on which to take the people that freely discuss the things they are going to do, having in their hands all the power of the state to do so. During the meeting, Castro also tells everybody in the room, the concept of private property is now a thing of the past. You don't own anything anymore. Communism. The concept of freedom of press gone 
We own the press. We give not, the people the information. Socialism. We give the people the information that we want to give them, not the yes. actual truth. Yes. We control everything now, which is communism. Well, no, that's socialism. Potato, potato. No. In this case. <laughs> um. I I I will I I I promise I will not rant about so off communism. Oh, we can if you want. Oh no. Cuz oh. shit'll just get hot like it did last time and So later in the month, Aerotime would sneak to uh, would sneak off to Mexico and link up with uh with the the main force of these Cuban exiles who have uh in the meantime they've been stockpiling weapons, ammo, explosives uh-huh. all in hopes that someday they can take their country back. Yeah. Which is a it's a noble thing to hope for to be able to go. You know what? Fuck this guy. He's ruining our country. We're taking it back from him. Well, there's still plenty of people in what is it? Miami? Is it Miami? Oh yeah, Miami has a huge Cuban population. Yeah, a lot of them are still like first or second hoping, generation, like hoping for the day still that where they can go back home. Yeah, you know, to Cuba. Or, or at least be able to go to go Cuba. visit. Yeah, well, I mean they can now because it's it's different. It's a little different. It's not as much of a dictatorship as it was from the f- fucking sixties up into yes, the nineties. We're not allowed to travel there still. Right. So while these uh, while these Cuban students are you know stockpiling all this stuff, a memo from Secretary of State Christian Herder hits uh, hits Dwight Eisenhower's desk saying the following quote: "All actions of the United States government." Should be, de- uh, should be designed to encourage within Cuba and elsewhere in Latin America opposition to the extremist anti-American course of the Castro regime. He then adds to it, however, in achieving the objective, the United States should avoid and <clears throat> should avoid giving the impression of direct pressure or intervention against Castro, except where defense of legitimate United States interest is involved. We want to we, we want to get this guy out. Yeah. But at the same time, we can't actually appear to want to do so because right. it might take the ire of other people, and they might be like, "You're being a bully. Stop that." Well, it's it's like the same reason that when college kids get arrested in like fucking Iran. That we can't just be like, hey, so let's get the helicopters going and send like, you know, a half dozen ranger teams in there to get these kids back. Because open acts of aggression like that tend to cause wars. Yeah. So that's why we didn't want to be like, hey, so fuck this asshole and just bomb him in the first place. Yeah. And plus, I mean, <laughs> they, they kind of, I, I don't know if it was by this time, if they were like... Backed by, um, by the, by the Russians. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They've they've been talking because <laughs> that would be uh, who was it? Uh, Khrushchev. Khrushchev. Yeah, that liver spotted fuck. Who, that yeah. was Gorbachev. Never mind. No, that was Gorbachev. Yeah, they both suck. Miguel. Fuck them turds. Anyway, so you, like we were kind of st- saying here, you can kind of see where this whole thing's going it, December 11th of 1959 
the head of the CIA's Western Division writes a memorandum for Richard Bissell and the uh, CIA director, uh, Alan Dulles, stating that Castro has now established a dictatorship of the far left. The intelligence community estimates an, an increase in Cuban support for other revolutionary movements in, uh, movements in South America and, quote, national rap- uh, rapid nationalization of the banks, industry, and commerce. Um, the memo also states that, quote, violent action is the only means of breaking Castro's grip on uh, grip of power over Cuba. And he lists the uh, United States objectives as, quote, the overthrow of Castro within one year. He also recommends that uh, thorough consideration be given to the elimination of Fidel Castro, not just the deposing thereof. So this is the first time, like, I'm sure the idea has been bouncing around throughout the Oval Office and other people. I was like, just fucking kill this guy. This is the first time that that idea actually hits paper in an official, well, yeah, because you in can't, an official st- stance, basically. Yeah, because you can't you you, you want to make sure that you're dotting your eyes and cross your t's because you know you can do a lot of uh, talking, but yeah, you know you have to you have to make sure that what you're saying can legitimately happen. Yes, not. Uh, you know, not do a lot of talk. Yeah. So now that they have a plan going, it's time to start preparing. Keep in mind, Dwight D. Eisenhower signed off on this plan, knowing that he was leaving office the following January. JFK is coming in to the presidency. And that is after he absolutely spanked Richard Nixon during the elections. Keep in mind, this is also the first election that was like, generally seen by the public because it was the first one that was actually aired on television. Like you could watch the debates and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause television actually gained more prominence. Right. Um, during this time and actually, well, it was the soon within the next, mm, what? Five, three, four years. No, five years ish right what type what 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 year is this uh tail end of 60 or uh, beginning of 1961 okay so four more years five more and years and we we are in the jungles baby yeah, yeah we're in the jungles which which is the first war ever where it is televised right not the first war where we have that the people have been exposed right because world war 2 like you'd go you'd go to the movies and you'd before like the movie started, you'd get a newsreel like saying, "Oh, hey, we're, you know, the the, the good old USA of, is spanking the Japs back but across that was the a lot ocean." Of propaganda, you know? though, exactly. But that's what wins fucking wars, believe it or not. No, and actually, a lot of that, people don't realize that. And that actually wasn't the first time. Uh, the first time was actually by uh, a photographer by the name of Brady, who actually took photographs of um, the battlefield after uh, and during world uh, during um, the Civil Gettys- War. Yeah. Like he took, I mean, Antietam. But, but it's civil, it's know, different having them. still pictures versus the actual like footage of seeing you know our boys charging up out of the out of the but, trenches and. But it brought it to the forefront right. of holy shit, you know the romanticism of war. Yeah. Back then, it changed it. It wasn't romantic because that's why no. a lot of people actually joined the Civil War. It was because 
we want to do something for, you know, to fight for our cause. You know, there was more romanticized. And unfortunately, the Europeans still did that going into World War One, and a lot of them died for yeah. it. And well, especially the French. And then, and then we didn't have a, a real war or battle until San Juan Hill, because we hadn't had anything till then. Well, you know, Mister. Uh, Roosevelt decided that the gonna... best of the two Roosevelts, I may add. Uh, okay, I mean, I don't know. Listen, one of them killed Bigfoot. One of them had polio. These two things are not the same. <laughs> no, but like I said, you know, they both have their their pluses. One was in office for eighty billion years. One was. You imagine FDR on a horse? <laughs> His tiny little polio legs all over the place. <laughs> Well, no, he, he, he could walk. Like, he was. He's like, on his side saddle with those little spaghetti legs just slapping against the side of the horse. I don't know if it was polio. My cousin's cooler than me. Fuck you. I don't know if it was polio. Oh, yeah, he, he, he had polio. So, anyway, part of the big reason that JFK obliterated Nixon in the elections, first of all, we've seen JFK. Like He could fucking talk. He could talk. No homo. JFK's a good-looking dude, right? Yeah. Richard Nixon looks like a Halloween prop. He always did. I'm pretty sure when he was in college, he still looked like a Halloween mask. Yeah. Also, JFK had a very, very strong anti-communist you know, stance. And he was also very, very open about the fact that he did not like the fact that Cuba is now a communist country. Uh-huh. Nixon, when they came to him on these questions, kind of dances around him. Doesn't want to say anything. And that's because he was privy to the entire idea of having Fidel Castro killed as the vice president. He's a heartbeat away from being the president. So he knows about what's going on. Yeah. They got to keep him in the loop there. So that's kind of why he kept his mouth shut because if he had said something to the effect of like, yeah, I I think we got to do something about getting rid of this guy. And then six months down the line, we have the invasion and they're like, but wait, didn't that feller say something? <gasps> he knows about it. He knowed he was going to do that. Yeah. It's almost like the government is full of secrets. Mm. Mm. Little, you know. known, little known fact. This is a little offshoot. He's the only the second uh, JFK and one other president that I know of were not supposed to be president. Right. He was also the first one to get his get you know execute first one to get us you know get assassinated in a car well what i mean by not supposed to be president is because uh their father did not want them to be president felt that they right. shouldn't be jfk's older brother you know what's was funny supposed to have been president and uh a certain uh bush you know yeah you know, because that family's not a bunch of trash either george bush yeah he wasn't supposed to have been president uh it was supposed to have been his brother. Which one? Jeb. Oh, God, he's so boring, though. So the beginning of 1960, the CIA sets up Task Force WH-4. Uh, this was to put the plan that Eisenhower signed off on into play. From here, a series of small bombing runs would be made from various locations into Cuba, where they're dropping, uh, they dropped incendiary bombs in the areas of uh, Benoa, Cabarillo and San Antonio de Rio Blanco, which at first I was like, what the fuck are they bombing San Antonio for? I don't know. Fuck Texas. They're Cuban, right? Fuck them. I <laughs> mean. Fuck the Spurs. 
Hey. Fuck Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, as Ralphie Mae says. That tall-ass baby-looking motherfucker. <laughs> so one of the planes that flew in and bombed, I'm not kidding, the Hershey factory had a very, very, very visible U.S. flag on the side of it and U.S. markings on the plane. Very visible to the point that there was pictures taken of an American plane bombing an American company. Well, you know, I mean, that, that's legitimately okay. What they didn't realize is that Nestle had built an Air Force. <laughs> Hershey's had it too good for too long, motherfucker. <laughs> we got Crackle. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> so for the rest of January, a bunch of small attacks were made. Um, a plane dropped phosphorus bombs on a sugarcane plantation. Um, seven people were arrested in uh, Segua Le Grande for trying to derail a train headed to Havana. Um, a plane dropped a 400-pound bomb on Cojimar uh, y Regalia in Havana. By the way, I stared at my Spanish teacher for a year. I didn't listen to anything she said. She, I didn't learn the language. She was really pretty, though. She was. <laughs> then on January 25th, Eisenhower held a press conference and said that Castro had become, quote, an anti-American madman. Fair. He also hinted that something needed to be done about the Cubans, even though something was being done preemptively. We're attacking them in retaliation for when they attack us later. Fuck those guys. It's preemptive revenge. Smart move. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, you know, you gotta... They, they, they're, they're goddamn, you know, psychic was like, listen, Crystal Ball says... They are going to attack us. I don't know how soon, but they're going to attack us. So, Mr. President, you should attack them first. <laughs> now, how, how did this whole thing go? Did, I think they they must have had, like, the bones of Heinrich Himmler, like, in a bag somewhere, and they just threw them on the ground, and they're, like, reading it. They're, like, he's saying, attack the, cu- attack the Cubans. He wants us to attack the Cubans. <laughs> No, 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 no. Why, why, why does he say attack what the Cubans? What kind of fucking necromancy is this? We're playing with some weird German Nazi wizard piece of shit. You know, it's just his bones. It's fine. His bones had magic in him. He didn't but, realize it. But why do we have to attack the Cubans? It says, I don't know. It just because says, it, it says attack the Cubans. Because so the dead Nazi's them. leg bones told us to attack the Cubans. You know. Now they're on the same page. <laughs> March 17th, 1960, at an Oval Office meeting with high-ranking national security officials, President Eisenhower approves a CIA policy paper titled A Program of Covert Actions Against the Castro Regime. The CIA plan involves four main courses of action. Form a moderate opposition group in exile, whose slogan will be to restore the, uh, the revolution which Castro has then betrayed. So we're going to make up fake communists uh-huh. we're going to create a medium wave radio station to broadcast uh, broadcast into cuba broadcast yes uh from a small uh from a small island called swan island off the southern half of cuba uh-huh. we're going to create a covert intelligence and action organization within cuba responsive to the orders and directions of the exiled uh, oppression and then we're going to begin training a paramilitary force outside of cuba and in the second phase, train paramilitary cadres for immediate deployment into Cuba to organize, train, and lead resistance against the Castro regime. Pretty fucking easy. I'm surprised we didn't have this done overnight. 
Well, I mean, it's the CIA. They don't fuck anything up. <clears throat> During the meeting. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they, they fucked up a bunch of stuff. That's okay. We'll get there. If we ever stop going on goddamn tangents. During the meeting, Eisenhower states that he knows of, quote, no better plan for dealing with the situation, but is concerned about leaking information anywhere. He, ar <clears throat> he argues that everyone must be pre prepared to deny its existence, and only two or three people should have any contact with the groups involved, um, because that would be the easiest way to get people in there to, to rile up all these other Cubans and get some shit done. The president tells Alan Dulles that he thinks he should go ahead with the plan uh, in the in all, all operations therein. Our hands should not show in anything that is done. So again, we're trying to be super, super sneaky. We're going to make it look like this was all those other Cubans' idea. Uh -huh. And we're just going to be like, no, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, we didn't accidentally bomb a whole shitload of stuff. No. March 20th and 21st of 1960. Intel, uh... Internal resistance forces deploy 400,000. Uh, wow. Internal resistance forces destroy 400,000 arobas of cane, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 million pounds of sugar cane um, in the Kanagua uh, Central uh, oh. province. That's a shitload of sugar cane. That's a lot. Wow. Uh, and planes cause seven fires in the zones bordering Matanzas and Las Vias. Affecting the uh, affecting the refineries of Australia, uh, and a couple of other places. <clears throat> so yes, it wasn't just us that owned property in Cuba for stuff. The Australians owned a whole bunch of uh, sugar processing plants uh -huh. because it was easier for them to buy the land to do it than it was to pay to import it. Yeah, because nothing grows in Australia because it's actually hell. It's full of everything that will kill you. The only thing they don't have there is like tigers and shit, but I'm sure at some point in time. They have roaming. They have packs. actual, they have fucking dinosaurs that are still alive in Australia, okay? What? Have you ever not, never heard of the Burin, uh, the Beringer? Yeah. They have T-Rex sightings in Australia, dude. Oh, stop. I swear to, I swear to God, look it up. January 4th, 1961, uh, senior CIA officials prepare a, mem uh, a memo to outline the status or preparations for the conduct of amphibious slash airborne and tactical operations against the government of Cuba and set forth certain requirements for policy decisions, decisions which must be reached and implemented in those operations. Mm -hmm. um, and here's, here's like a little quote from it. The concept of the plan is as follows. The initial mission of the invasion force will be to seize and defend a small area, there will be no uh, there will be no early attempt to break out of the lodgment for further offensive operations uh, unless and until there is a general uprising against the uh, Castro regime or overt military intervention by the United States has taken place. So the CIA doesn't realize that just because they're training these guys doesn't mean that they're better trained than the actual Cuban military. Is there a little bit of just dumb fuckery going on there. Like, oh, they're Cubans. They're not that good at what they're doing. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I think that there was some of that going on. Because they're just like, oh, they, they don't have the fucking equipment that we do. These guys don't even speak English. Fuck them. We'll go in there and wipe them out with 65 dudes. Spoiler alert. Um, I don't know. I I think it was a naivete. They, I think he, uh, 
I think they were a little naive in thinking that maybe, you know, we can do this, but... Being naive and being slightly racist are very close, though. Or... Well... Hmm. <laughs> Come back to me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an answer. Because like I said, there was a little bit of that going on. I, I think it was more like a... Um, um, they, were, they were like, listen, we can't actually send real Americans to do this yeah. because... We're not they, willing to send our guys in to yeah, die. We'll send your guys in to die, though. Yeah. Our guy's a little more valuable than your guys. Yeah. So if you want to take back your shit, you get to do it yourself. So, but you know, we'll we're gonna help. help. We're gonna we're help, gonna help but we're just not gonna do it. Yeah. And we are going to have plausible deniability. We sure are. Is, uh, <laughs> Except for that plane that flew over. And there's more than one plane that we fucked up with. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Uh, it is expected that these operations. Oh. Sorry, I gotta continue here. No. Um, it is expected that these operations will will precipitate a general uprising throughout Cuba and cause the revolt of large segments of the Cuban army and militia. If matters do not if matters do not eventually eventuate as predicted above, the lodgment can be used as the site for um, the site. Shoo, Jesus. The lodgment can be used as the site for the establishment of a provisional government that can be recognized by the United States. The way, uh, the way will then be paved for United States military intervention aimed at pacification of Cuba and will result in the prompt overthrow of the Castro government. So in other words, we're going to find that tiny, tiny little spot. We're going to send some guys in to go, this belongs to the U S now. Now we're not invading because you're part of us. <laughs> we can do yeah. whatever we want. Mm. Um, Airstrikes are seen as a crucial component of the invasion. It is considered crucial that the Cuban Air Force and naval vessels capable of opposing the land uh, of opposing the landing be knocked out or neutralized before amphibious shipping makes its final run into the beach. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> January fifth, nineteen. 19- re- remember that part where it's crucial. Yes. Crucial that we destroy the Cuban Air Force. Yes. Keep that in the back of your head because we're gonna okay. we're gonna circle back to that. Okay. January fifth, nineteen sixty one, in preparation for a January fifth meeting of the Special Operations Group, Tracy Barnes drafts a memo to the director of the CIA in which he outlines problems that need to be addressed. Most importantly, he argues that contrary views uh, expressed at a January third meeting, the operation is un- is unable to house or train more than seven hundred and fifty strike force members. Further, he argues that the operation should have a U.S. base for resupply following the, the initial landing. So this dude's making sense. This is a guy who has probably done something similar to this in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we, okay, we only have so much equipment and supplies, so we can only have this many guys. Yeah. We should also have a place for them to regroup in case something doesn't work well. Or if they need to resupply, they need more food, they need more ammo, we got to have somewhere close. So we're going to take a quick break right here, and we're going to come back to the events of April 1961. Okay, we are back. You still with me over there? I'm still with you. Okay, just making sure you look like you're getting sleepy. No, no, no. 
mid-April 1961. Early to mid-April, so it's the first couple weeks of April. Yeah. Anticipating an invasion, Fidel Castro begins preparations for Cuba's defense. He concentrates troops close to the most uh, portable landing areas throughout the island, practic- uh, particularly near uh, access zones to mountains, like the mountainous areas, especially near Trinidad and um, that, that kind of area he had deployed a whole bunch of guerrilla forces to. Uh-huh. Yes, he had the feeling that there was, an, there was an invasion coming, just didn't know what direction it was coming from. Invading from Trinidad would have been a great idea because you're hitting small beaches that are very hard to defend from land. Yep. And then you can just disperse into the mountains and the woods. And you can fucking do your magic from there. You can work inland. It's harder to harder to keep up with a small force of guys because they are in thick forests. They're up in the mountains. They're just they're in very good concealment for the most yeah. part. Of course, that's not the way we did it. Why would we want to do something? Because it would have been fucking smart. (laughs) So, also expecting an attempt to destroy Cuba's air force, Castro placed out, place. Oh, Castro places all of the out-of-service planes together in threes, and then hides the rest of the planes under like light tree cover and throws camouflage tarps over them. Smart fucking move. Yeah. Because April 17th, 1961, the Bay of Pigs invasion happens. The Bay of Pigs was selected by the CIA because they thought it would look less suspicious invading from the southern side of the island than it would coming from the northern side of the island. Because the southern side, you can blame other people for it. The northern side, the closest northern body of land to Cuba, from to the north, is Florida. Like, large body of land where you can actually invade from. Yes. So it's us. <laughs> um, so landing on the, again, landing on the northern half would have actually been a better idea because it was more densely forested, would have been easier for these guys to find cover. The Cuban exiles that have become known as Brigade 2506, and the reasoning for that is there was a, a member of their training party that when they were, they were out doing like uh, some jungle movements and stuff like that in uh, Guatemala, he slipped and fell off a cliff and his number was 2506. Cause yes, there's only 750 of them, but another CIA fucking like, Hey, this will be, this will work great. We're going to start numbering these guys mm-hmm. at higher numbers so that if one of them gets captured, if like 2105 gets captured, they're like, Oh shit, there's, 2100 of these guys not really Hmm. so they land on the bay of pigs before we get really too far into this absolute shit show we got to kind of look back at the previous day when american b-26 bombers that have been painted up to look like cuban air force uh like air like air force bombers um flew in and bombed a bunch of stuff and this was so that they could try to convince Castro that someone in the Air Force had turned on him. He's not that dumb. Again, you might think he is, but he's really not that dumb. It fails miserably. Not only were a bunch of pictures taken to these planes, um, the bombs, they, uh, the, <laughs> oh, 
So there was a shitload of pictures taken of these planes that are quite clearly American B-26 bombers because the Cubans did not have B-26 bombers. Um, they also wiped out what they thought was the entire Cuban Air Force, which were all the planes that were down for service. Yeah. So we blew up all the, all the entire Air Force that doesn't work. So on board the Balagar, which was one of the escort ships, because, again, we can't use United States military equipment because it'll look like we're involved with it, which we are involved with it. So instead, we've hired a no, bunch we're of... Not. No, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Uh-oh. So it wasn't us. It was the Canadians. <laughs> Somebody stole our shit, okay? <laughs> so what, what we did, well, again, when I say we, I mean the U.S. government because... That's just the easiest way to refer to it. I'm not one of them. I don't like them, but that's okay. So what they did was instead of using U.S. ships, they are hiring out these smaller, like, um, freighters and, like, large fishing vessels and shit like that. Uh-huh. So that it looks like they're just boats out doing their thing. They're, you know, moving freight or they're fishing or it's a container ship just cruising through. Smart. We owned them all. It makes sense. You're being sneaky. Yeah. So they are the CIA. Yeah. Which I mean, I I really hope they've gotten better at what they do since then, because this was fucking bad. (laughs) So one of these CIA coordinators that's on board, Gary Lynch, got a memo stating, quote, Castro still has operational aircraft. Expect you to be hit at dawn. Unload all troops and supplies and take ships to sea as soon as possible. Dump these Cubans and get the fuck out of there. Oh, Christ. Okay. So when the U.S.-backed vessels landed and started unloading, they came under immediate fire from local forces, which in turn got word back to the military. Uh Castro is woken up by one of his aides, and as soon as he wakes up and starts moving, he's like, okay, we got to send troops out. We're going to counterattack. He sends out. 900 men. <laughs> so he, he sends out not over 900 men, including three mortar batteries. And that's like uh, the mortar batteries are like a four man mortar team with, yeah. you know, they would have been like uh, two mortars a piece. So you got 12 mortars on a very close, short stretch of land where you don't really have to dial shit in. You can just kind of look and be like, okay, throw it in and tip the fucking thing at them. <laughs> You know, that missed a little bit. No, what I'm saying is like, you got one guy hold up the back of it. He's like, I'm going to drop it down a little bit, throw it in. And they're firing them like fucking rockets, essentially. (laughs) Just fire it straight at him. It's like a, like a bazooka. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So while these guys are mobilizing, the actual Cuban air force starts, uh, starts spinning up engines and getting ready for a fight. As this is going on, a CIA message goes out over the, over the, uh, the shortwave radio that they'd set up for the Cuban military. Uh-huh. Okay. And they throw out a message saying this, take up strategic pres- uh, positions and control roads and railways, make prisoners or shoot those who refuse to obey your orders. All planes must stay on the ground. See that no fidelist plane takes off, destroy its radios, destroy its tail, break its instruments, puncture its fuel tanks. So we're going to try some more CIA stuff here. Be like, hey, so let's 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 
plant that seed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe we should have done this before these dudes landed, but that's fine. Yeah. Another. So throughout the day, another message goes out over the, over the, the radio saying, quote, the invaders are advancing steadily on every front. Castro's forces are surrendering in droves. So this is the CIA at its absolute peak cloak and dagger finest misinformation, disinformation, just trying to, you know, plant the seed of doubt. Oh, and also they started a rumor over the radio that um, as soon as the invasion started, uh, Raul Castro had killed himself out of fear. Oh, this wasn't true because Raul Castro, I'm pretty sure is still alive. Um, but this was no doubt trying to get under Fidel Castro's skin because they knew at this point in time, he's awake. He's in whatever constitutes his war room or whatever. Uh-huh. And he is listening to these, these messages coming through. So they're trying to make it like they're trying to get him to fuck up, <laughs> which he's not going to because he, his brother's probably standing on the, on his left hand side. And he's like, so you shot yourself. Huh? Did a bad job of it. <laughs> Piss poor suicide. My friend, you are very sloppy. Yep, You're very bad at shooting yourself. <laughs> Your sloppiness sucks. That's why, that's why I'm the boss, Raul. You stupid bastard. But I'm older. Fuck you. <laughs> so at around 6.30 a.m., some of the beach landings are canceled due to uh, some of the, I kid you not, small aluminum boats that are being used to escort uh, these troops from the ship to the beach having engine problems. This results in only two of the nine small aluminum boats being used. So I'm assuming these are probably like 15 foot, like fishing boats. Like you could slap a fucking, yeah. <laughs> like a mercury 90 on it. And you're, you're in business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wonder if it had a live, like a live well in it. <laughs> no, but before live wells. So, Live well was the, was the ocean. You, you, you put your fish in it. <laughs> so, again, the, we have two functional boats out of nine, and they're making a 40-minute trip, round trip, from the boats to the beach, and then back is 40 minutes. And you're, uh, getting, yeah. you're getting, like, four or five dudes at a time in these boats with all their, all their equipment. The Probably the, the hardest part was getting back out with the surf. I would imagine. So while all this is going on, the Houston, which is another one of these ships that, that we had bought out, takes a direct rocket hit from a Cuban sea fair, uh, sea fury. Uh, it's not quite a jet. It's, you know, it's still early on for that. Um, and the Cubans didn't have access to jets, but it was like a, would have been kind of like similar to like a, a Mustang, like a world war two kind of style ship yeah. uh, plane. But these got fucking rockets on him. And this is before, like the fire and forget about it technology. This dude had to fly in, dip, aim, fire, and take off before it hit. Yeah. So it's like, that takes some skill. I mean, it's a fucking boat. I get it. But still, you're flying at a thing that's also moving up and down and back and forth. And you're firing a, a fucking missile that's, you know, I don't know, probably 14 inches around at a giant thing. It's going to take some skill, I would think. So this would cause... Uh, I mean, they got in close. Yeah. Too, I mean, yeah, so limit the... 
but still not close enough to blow yourself up. That's crazy. True. So this would cause a lack of manpower and supplies, making it to shore a dir. Um, as troops are going from uh, from the Houston back to shore, again that that Sea Fury scores a direct hit, and this causes the Houston to run aboard or like run aground about five miles away from the beachhead with 180 men on board. So another Cuban plane damages the LCI Barbara J with machine gun fire, which. Oh, thought you were going to say something. Um, <laughs> every, t- every time you say LCI. I yeah, just... <laughs> Lake Champlain uh, Invitational. It's a fishing tournament. <laughs> Sorry. So th- this would actually knock out two of its engines with um, with machine gun fire. While this is all going on, a group of a group of the guys from land. Oh, fuck, never mind. While all this is going on, a group of men land from the air to seize a large intersection of St. Blas, which is about 10 miles inland from the beach landing itself. So they can set up an outpost and kind of keep an eye on any potential reinforcements coming in. Yeah. These guys are about to have a really bad day. At around 930, another Sea Fury scores a direct rocket hit on the Rio Escandido, which is a freighter, uh, which is offshore that just so happened to be full of hospital supplies. Um, had 10 days of provisions for 750 men, a heap of ammo and a big old stockpile of gasoline, like <sighs> tens of thousands of gallons of fuel on this ship. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no rocket scientist, but I'm pretty sure that made a big boom. Men from the Houston that uh, had launched a rescue mission and actually evacuated everybody from the Escondido before it exploded. One of the American troops, not Cubans, one of the Americans that landed on shore calls back to the Houston and asks if Fidel had just dropped a nuclear weapon on the ship. That's how big the explosion was. And it was five miles offshore and they felt it. (laughs) That's a big, that's a big explosion. It's like you, like you could look back out into the water and see the shockwave coming in. Wow. You imagine that just looking back and be like, what's that? And they're just getting knocked on your ass. And you're like, Oh, Hey, that sucked. Um, so half an hour later at 10 a.m., the captains of the ships, uh, the escort ships, again, being what they were, told the guy, the CIA guys on board that, listen, if we're going to keep having fucking rockets fired at us, we're done. Yeah. We're leaving. Fuck these guys. We're going home. Yeah. Um, and at around 1030, a few of them did exactly that. And they turned and headed back out to sea and didn't stop until they hit a blockade of U.S. Navy ships. <laughs> they uh, they were like, no, not not hanging out here. So in the afternoon, the troops that had landed in Saint Blas come under uh, come under fire and start trying to call for backup. Unfortunately, they have no communications back to the beach because the guys that landed on the beach had to wait to shore from you know a few yards out, and uh, their radios had all become water uh, waterlogged hunks of plastic shit at this point these guys on the beach can't communicate with each other by radio they have to communicate by yelling and these guys that are inland are completely cut off they can communicate with the ships they can't communicate with the guys on the beach oh so that's that's a bad thing so they only retreated when the cubans when the cubans start rolling tanks in um (laughs) And so they see these I, tanks I rolling understand. in. I don't understand why you'd retreat. I mean, come on. 
and they Only also a tank. like a couple of the tanks coming in have got artillery hooked to the back of them, so they can set up an artillery battery and start just pounding the beach with artillery, oh. which is probably not going to be fun. The U.S. Uh, a U.S. B twenty six bomber starts circling the beach and drops a couple of bombs. Um, one sinks a Cuban gunship, killing the entire crew. And they supposedly dropped another one on the beach that killed a bunch of Cuban troops, but that second one is completely unconfirmed. There's potential for it. There's no confirmation that it actually happened. Yep. In retaliation, the Cubans scrambled more jets and shoot down four B-26s. Uh, so for the, for the remainder of the night, Cuban military would chase these exiles and the handful of CIA operat- operatives that are with them through the coastal marshes and jungles um side note they weren't they shouldn't have been shot down because there was there was supposed there was going to be a backup for them to protect them but yeah they uh, the, their their backup got lost in uh in, in in the fog and um well they couldn't you know they you know the direction and the sunlight and you know all that good stuff bermuda triangle <laughs> yeah uh the, the whole thing is a comedy of errors there is so many things that this may well this may well be called Operation Murphy's Law. Yeah, anything that's gonna go can go wrong is about to. Yep. So as they're chasing these uh, Cuban exiles and CIA operatives through these like small like coastal areas, they're also running near a lot of the touristy areas, and the tourists start calling the police and <laughs> letting them know we're hearing a whole bunch of gunshots. We don't know if we're safe. And <laughs> please like. The Cuban police basically tell them, don't worry about it. Stay where you're at. You'll be fine. (laughs) Um, So around 2 p.m., Castro, feeling confident that the capital is safe, sets up for the combat zone to set up his own little command center to kind of watch over everything. Of course. And at this point in time, Cuban special forces have been chasing the landing party through. I'm sorry. It was 2 a.m. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, So at this point in time, the. Cuban uh, special forces have been chasing the landing parties for better than 12 hours as they're they're trying to set up uh, to get established in a place called Playa Larga to kind of hunker down and regroup and possibly resupply if they can, which they're not going to because the Cubans now number somewhere near 20,000 strong continue to hunt and kill exile forces until the 19th. So the next day when (laughs) some of the exiles actually fled by sea. So 100-plus members of the invading force were killed, and another 1,200 were captured. And among the captured were a handful of CIA operatives, Uh which that means the U.S. starts negotiations for the release of prisoners immediately. But the entire process takes around 20 months to get done. Attorney General uh, Robert Kennedy took control of the... took control of the negotiations personally with Castro. Oh. He would actually sit down and talk to Fidel Castro, man to man, like, how are we going to fix this? Yeah. Good old Bobby. So he would, he started pleading with pharmaceutical companies, um, baby food companies, medical suppliers, all these different companies to send aid to Cuba and return for all the prisoners. That's a pretty good deal. You know, we've got 1,200 some odd men captured. Yep. And all they want is aid, and they'll give us our guys back. That's not... No. 
So after extensive negotiations, the U.S. and Cuba settle on $53 million worth of medical and humanitarian aid in exchange for the prisoners. Nowadays, that's not that's bad. That's a shitload of money but, nowadays. Well, nowadays, I mean, that's not really a ton. I mean, that's $53 million is a, uh, is a lot, but yeah. but really, in humanitarian humanitarian aid, it's not a ton. I mean, there's been more. Right. So here's another thing to think about. The prisoners were exchanged. Yep. Uh-huh. That happened two months after the end of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So we didn't even talk about that this whole time that was happening while these guys are still captive. Yeah. So, and that's, that is literally the closest that the United States and the Soviet Union in general came to an actual shooting war during the Cold War was the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. I wasn't around, but from what I've read, shit got pretty ugly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know you were in elementary school, but. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I was. Uh, I was a fifth grader. <laughs> so the whole thing would just be a huge blunder, and it all fell directly into JFK's lap, which he had to, like, you know, swat female movie stars off of so it could land in his lap. Uh-huh. You know? A lot of people say it would come unfairly because it was actually his predecessor that initiated the entire thing. But since he was in office and he carried it out, it fell on him. And it would be a, a huge black mark in his very short presidency. Uh, some people think that the, his failure to eliminate Castro would ultimately cost him his life the following year, November 22nd in Dallas. Because there's there's a lot of, a lot of conspiracy theories that it wasn't actually Lee Harvey Oswald that killed him. There's theories out there that say it was the mafia there's theories that say it was the cubans there's theories that say it was the cia because he fucked them up he didn't want to he didn't want to play ball with how the cia wanted to do things and how other people in the government wanted to do things and he was like have, no have you did you see the uh, i can't think of the footage there's footage of of the day this is like a side tangent here sorry but you brought it up. The uh, Zapruder film? Uh, no, it's not the Zapruder film. Okay. No, because that was taken from the, the grassy knoll. That was taken from like that direction. No, 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 no. This was like uh, a little closer or something like that. Another film that was taken. Okay. Um, JFK actually, if if one of the Secret Service guys... Because I, th I th this is another part of the thing was the Secret Service possibly was in on it. Yep. Because the guy that got the guy that was on the car would have taken the bullet. Would have taken the bullet, but you can see him like going, "What? What?" And they tell somebody tells him they pulled him off the car to come back. Yep. And next thing you know, fucking, poof, back to his fucking head. Yeah. Gets fucking blown the fuck out. Yeah, there there is a lot of really like that's one that I would I would want to cover, but honestly, I think we would have to start a secondary podcast to cover that because there's so much shit that goes into the JFK assassination. Yeah, no, not that. I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, it'd be a multi part episode. A multi -part. That would be like six parts because just covering the actual like this is what happened that day, and then you have to cover 
every individual conspiracy theory that goes along with it. Um, well, you'd have to cover like a lot of. You had to cover Lee Harvey, his background. You had to cover Jack Ruby, his background. Uh, we'll talk about those guys next week. Surprisingly, um, you'd have to some other stuff. You there's know. a like I said, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, that would be a big series. You know, because there's also like, what was it? Because um, there's also a theory that I've heard. It's an alien theory. Aliens killed JFK. No, he was killed by the CIA because he was an alien. No, fuck. Because he was going to out the CIA for um, covering a, or F, no FBI. Sorry, not the F, not the CIA. FBI. He was going to out the FBI for covering up Roswell and and making it like there was actually, you know, saying that there wasn't uh, a spacecraft actually when there really was. And he okay, got... so that one makes sense, but it makes less sense than the others. Hey. You know, yeah. to me at least. Like, I, I get I get that, yes, he wanted to do stuff like that, but I I don't think that was their main priority. I think they were more like, no, fuck this guy. He wants he wants to try to stop us from doing that. What we think we need to do to protect the country, we got to get rid of him, and we'll we'll put fucking LBJ in place, who we already know is going to do some real shady shit. I I, I don't know, man. I mean, there's you know, also it's... a theory that he orchestrated the entire thing through the CIA because him and the CIA director at the time, who I believe was George Bush Senior. We're real good buddies. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, they were they were buddies. And, uh, I mean, how convenient that they both end up becoming president at some point. Um, was he? Was he? He might not have been the director. He may have been, like, the, you know, deputy was director he? or whatever. But he was high up in the CIA. He was either, he was either director or he was close to, going to be close to it. Because he did become... He was, he the, was director. the director at one point. Yes. Then he became vice president under uh, Reagan. Reagan, who also coincidentally he almost became president when Reagan was almost assassinated. So it's almost like you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Tinfoil hats coming out here. <laughs> um, but next time we're going to get into a conspiracy that was more than a theory. This is a conspiracy fact. We have actual proof. That they were going to attempt something. By they, I mean the United States government and the CIA were going to attempt something to pull us into an actual war with Cuba. And you can, there's one of the things we're going to cover in there pretty heavily. Some very, very eerie similarities to September 11th. Just some execution of things okay. that were very, very similar to what this plan was. And this was classified for 35 years. This didn't become public, like public record stuff until the early or mid nineties. And it was like 95, 96, somewhere in there when this was actually declassified. Hmm. So yeah, it's going to get, I was going to say, you know, no need to bring the tinfoil. You really don't need to, but um, keep it handy just in case. Uh, so I, I listen. My tinfoil is always on hand. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I keep my tinfoil hat wound up in my pocket like a condom, just in case I ever need it. You know it. So, 
<laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that is the Bay of Pigs invasion. Yes. So Kevin, why don't you uh, <laughs> take us away on some headphones, everybody? Well, I mean, I could, you know. I think you should. Oh well, then if you insist, if you go over to studio.com and check them out, they have earbuds, headphones, and uh, a Bluetooth speaker. What? What? Yeah. The Femtio, it is kick-ass. I've actually got it sitting directly in front of me because that's what I use to edit. Yes. If uh, you want any of those, put them in your basket, go to checkout, and under coupon, put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Because, you know, what the hell? Why not save a little money? I mean, not that you're going to spend a whole hell of a lot of money. On these because they're decent priced and listen, you're going to for gonna sp- a good product. You're going to spend money, but it, not, it feels not, better when you spend a. <sighs> you're not going to spend. You're not going to spend Bose money, or you're not. Gonna you're not going to spend Beats money, money on it. You're not gonna but you're going to spend like a. You know, you're going to spend about a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars, depending on what you get. But you're going to get a good product. You're going to get all of your money's worth. Yeah, you're going to get a really good product. Literally, uh, I, I my, my only complaint that I have ever had with this company is that the Nevas are not dog-proof. <laughs> because I lost my Nevas because my stupid-ass dog chewed them up. They were in a place that they had been for a week. And she'd walked by it. She'd looked at them and been like, okay, cool, whatever. And then one day, I wake up to crunching, and they're all over the floor. Hey, you know, I, I like my Ets. My Ets are really nice. They are a... Lower cost version of the AirPods, and I'm gonna tell you, I think I've never tried on AirPods, but you know what? I don't think they can get any better than the Ets. No, because the Ets do noise canceling actively. I mean, and you're also not gonna spend three hundred ninety nine dollars on them. You know, you can wear one at a time, and and the the then you can put put them back into the little case, and it charges them. Yep. So I mean, you know, and I, I've got. I'm on my second set of 12, and I love those. Yeah. They are, I mean, they're super comfortable. The The sound that you get out of such a small earbud is amazing. Yes. Of course, I don't listen to music, so I don't know how it sounds with music. I know with audiobooks and podcasts, they sound fucking amazing. But hey. you can also go to darkwindowspod.com. Yes. That's our website, believe it or not. Where the you whole, can find... The whole .com thing makes it a website. Yeah, where you can find links to our studio page. Yeah. You can find links to our Facebook page. Yep. And you can also find links to the, our Age of Radio page. Yes. You can go listen We're, to every episode of this shit we've ever recorded. Yes. And you can find your next favorite podcast at ageofradio.com. And do we dare say that you have... There's no shortage of podcasts that... This net, our network that Listen, we are part of. I'm going to has... cut you off there. I dare say there is a cornucopia of of topics. Okay, fine. You wanted to one up me. I see how it goes. I just wanted to say cornucopia. <laughs> <laughs> what if I said plethora? A cornucopia is bigger than a plethora. Oh, okay. a cornucopia is actually a, like a plethora and a half. <laughs> technically. Oh. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. A plethora is a cornucopia and a half. Okay. And a cornucopia is oh, wait. two shitloads. Oh, but, but what's a fuckton? A fuckton is a quarter of a shitload. <laughs> okay. So four fucktons makes one shitload. Two okay. shitloads makes a, makes a cornucopia. Ah. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Now that, now that we're on the same page <laughs> with our <laughs> fake measurements. Well, yes. Well, anyway, if you could find whatever you want for, I mean, if you're looking for inspirational, you can find that. 
on Age of Radio. You, if you're looking for uh, true crime, true crime. If you're looking for sports. If you're looking for, or if you want the best goddamn podcast that has ever covered John Dillinger, we've got that too. We do. We sure fucking do. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Or if you want a couple of ladies that you know just just don't give a shit about you know your feelings. And... Fuck your feelings. Listen yeah. to their show. Yeah. I mean, you can go check out Call Me Dead. Yes. You know, they're they're like they're like us sorta. Except way better at what they do. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I like to think that we are a high-end mediocre show. Ah. With moderate to meh editing. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, a, a, a meh amount of research <laughs> and, uh, and you know, effort put into it. Huh. So. A meh. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we, we put that, you know, the, the uh, effort in. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so. I put all... more effort into shit than I do for research sometimes. <laughs> but I've also true. never strained myself researching. <laughs> I've that's... never blown a blood vessel in my eyeballs at researching. That's I've done not... that pooping, though. Listen, that's Push not too hard. true. We put. I've never given myself hemorrhoids researching. Well, I don't know about that. I've given myself a fucking headache sometimes. I didn't say a headache. I said hemorrhoids. Okay, fine. That's a different It takes a story. little bit more more force to <laughs> yes. give yourself hemorrhoids than it does a headache. <laughs> All you got to do to give yourself a headache is hold your breath long enough or uh, like hold your nose and try to breathe out real hard uh-huh. and your ears crack. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a headache too. Oh, uh, so. So, yeah, you can also uh, link to our Facebook page. You can also get a link to – has a link to our Instagram page. Yep. And I guess our Twitter page yes. too. <laughs> the bones of our Twitter feed. Yes. Um, and... we're honestly, I, co- I commented on something on Twitter the other day on a tabletop thing I follow. And I was like, oh fuck, this is the show's page. I forgot. I don't actually have my own Twitter. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. Uh, and, uh, we also have, uh, an email that's, uh, darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Hey, hey, three years on and you got it. Fuck off. Yes. Oh, by the way, actually, technically, uh, as of the 14th was our three-year anniversary, so that was yesterday. Three oh. our three years from our initial release date. Happy birthday Don't to do that. Us. Don't do that. <laughs> Just because this is the longest-running like job I've ever held for three years straight. Not me. Uh, well, it's not really, but it's, like, it's the one that I've enjoyed for the longest, I guess. Okay, fine. But, you know. I agree with that one. But anyway, with that being said... Remember to you know, join us again in a couple of days after mm-hmm. you hear this. It's only going to be a couple of days. You don't have to wait a whole week. No. You're going to get 137 and 138 this week. Yeah. It's going to be great. Anyway, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Don't let the CIA tell you. Redacted, 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 redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.